For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? It's National Ice Cream Day. It's also National Peach Ice Cream Day, which is one of my favorite flavors, and it's very hard to find. When I was a kid, uh, there was a flavor that we used to get at my grandmother's, and it was an orange pineapple. And I have never been able to find it anywhere else on the planet, which reminds me a lot of some of the themes that I've been reading about in this amazing book by Sue Phillips, where she talks about flavors and scents and aromas and smells and things that will take us back. I'd like you all to take a collective, just take a deep breath right now and think of a favorite smell and let it take you back to a favorite memory, a favorite place, a favorite, well, let's bring Sue on and let her bring us up to date with what this is all about. Sue, I am thrilled that you are here tonight. Uh, first of all, I have enjoyed reading this book. I'm learning more about the world of uh, the perfume business than I even could have thought about. And I wanna hear your story because you started out as a singer, which I find very fascinating that you made this incredible leap uh, before we jump into your story and all the work that you do, who or what are you celebrating tonight? I'm celebrating being in America, having the opportunity of talking to you. I am so thrilled that I can share my passion for fragrance. So what am I celebrating tonight? Just how lucky I am and how grateful I am to be in New York City and to be in this incredible country. So I actually celebrate it all the time. <laughs> well, I, I'm all about celebrating. And in the introduction of your book, you talk about certain moments that you have when you're walking around in the city and a certain smell will automatically take you back uh, to your childhood growing up in South Africa. And I want to go back there for a moment. Uh, I asked uh, before we began uh, for a photograph of you. And I think this is you at 10 years old. There's your very fashionable mother. Yeah. So I know where this all begins. Uh, and I love the fact that her name is Grace. Uh, so uh, let's start there. Uh, tell us a little bit about that little girl growing up in South Africa. So Sue, or as my parents would call me, Susan, which I really hated, so I became Sue in America. Um, I was surrounded by incredible art. My mother was an amazing artist, and she was a singer and a musician and a beautiful homemaker. So she, I always had art and culture in my life. Um, I had piano lessons when I was eight, so of course piano was very important to me. I would hear my mom singing. Uh, so I was always into the arts. And at 10 years old, um, one of my mom's friends, who was a, a theatrical producer, and her name was Toby, because she had this wonderful, deep, resonant voice. And she called my mom and she said, Grace, I have a play I'm doing, and I think your Susan would be marvelous for it. And so my mom was taken aback, and she said to me, Sue or Susan, um, Toby called and she's got a play and would you like to audition and of course yes I said fantastic so I auditioned and I got the role but because I was 10 years old and still at school we had to have alternates so there were two understudies so I didn't get to go on every night of course I still had to do homework and practice and go to sleep early but it was the start of my foray into theater and I still continue to be in, involved in acting and, and theater these days. So my career kind of took a past. I, I was in theater, singing and acting in South Africa. I was in many, many roles um, at college and university. And then I came to America in search of 
fame and fortune in the theatrical world. <laughs> and I went to see a headhunter and he said, forget that. We've got 20,000 out of work singers and actresses. We don't need another one. And I landed up going into business. But interestingly enough, about five years ago, one of my friends in the cosmetic industry retired and became a playwright. Well, he'd always done a writing of plays. And he called me, he said, Sue, we're starting a playwriting group. Would you like to come in and join us? Because I had told him over the years I'd done snippets of theater. So every Tuesday night I'm in pages and I work in theater. And these days it's on Zoom. But so I've never really gotten away from it, but I've still enjoyed theater and music and um, the arts. Well, you know, it's interesting. I next month, it, actually in two weeks, will be 43 years ago that I arrived in New York. And uh, and I know that when most people come to New York uh, to pursue a career, uh, it would be like asking them to break off an arm or a leg to ask them to leave this business. Yeah. So for a headhunter to say, you know, there are thousands of out-of-work actors, and that's a small number, everyone, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, you listened to that person. Um, so obviously, were you thinking at that point that there had to be something bigger for you? Or what made you go in the other direction? Well, it was purely a function of need. I had to get a green card. And the only way I could get a green card was to be sponsored, either to go to an attorney and pay thousands of dollars or to be sponsored uh, in, a, in a show, in a theatrical show by some agent who said, well, Sue is the best person for the job. Well, that didn't happen. So what happened was when I, a friend of mine said, I should get the same um, headhunter told me, no, yeah, the same headhunter said to me, Sue, I have an immigration attorney. You should go and see the immigration attorney. So I did. And I went to see him and he asked me what I did and I told him and he said, uh, you know, well, I can't help you with theater, but he said, do you, did you do anything else? And I said, well, my mother always said I should have something to fall back on. And <laughs> how many moms, mom, are you watching? <laughs> and my mother said at the time in South Africa, Sue, you know, you should really do a secretarial course. Well, I loathed the idea of it, but I did. And I did really well in it. But then, you know, I had it, I did it, and off I went. So when he asked me, what did I do? And I said, told him the story. And he said, were you any good? And by the way he asked me that, I knew that was my ticket into America. I said, yes, I was great. He said, well, can you start on Monday? I need an executive assistant. I said, no, no, no. I have to go and take a refresher. Call. I haven't done shorthand and typing. You know, they don't have shorthand here anymore. Shorthand is sort of from the dark ages. But he was a, a legal immigration attorney and he needed somebody to take all the, the briefs and the notes. So I went to a secretarial school. I enrolled for two weeks. I got my skills back up, 80 words a minute for shorthand and 120 words a minute or vice versa for typing. And I started and he said he would process my green card. I told him that I would stay for a year in the interim, at night, I just started singing and acting and going to all these comedy clubs and theatrical clubs. So I kept my hand in, if you will, in the theatrical mm -hmm. world. But I couldn't do anything because I really wasn't legal. Uh, after seven months, I got my green card. But I promised I'd stay for a year. And at the end of the year, I went to a headhunter. And I explained who I was, what I'd done, and theatrical and so on. And he went, he sent me on three interviews. Well, one was to work... Uh, for a bank, the first Boston bank, and I didn't think banking was for me. The second was to work in um, design, fashion design for Pierre Cardin's company. And at the time, I didn't feel that I knew anything about fashion because we were so fashion backwards in South Africa. It wasn't a fashion forward country because we'd been sort of, you know, really um, set apart. The world didn't like South Africa. So we were really not involved in current affairs. So the third job offer was to go to Elizabeth Arden and to be the administrative executive assistant to the president of the company. And I said, aha, that's something I like, the cosmetics. And um, he liked the fact that I had a South African accent or a British accent. He thought that I was, you know, presentable and elegant and that I would fit the image of the company. 
And uh, I did, and it was great, and I was meeting all these people. And at night, of course, I would go into doing my singing and my acting because I always wanted to do that. And one day, after two years of working for him, he said, you know, Sue, we've just got a position in training that's open. And I've seen you perform, and I, I think you would be great in training. I said, well, what does that involve? He said, you have to train the people, the beauty advisors behind the counter, all about fragrance and motivate them and inspire them. And he said, you know, with your accent and with your presentation, you would be great. He said, but in order to learn and to do that, you have to go to Macy's and have your orientation and be there for three months learning about the business, who the customer is, how the customer works, what the beauty advisor talks to the consumers about, all about fragrance, how to motivate them and inspire them and, and really give them the understanding of the brands. At the time, the brands were Chloe and Lagerfeld and Burberry. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I, I went to Macy's for three months, um, working behind the counter, teaching, learning, guiding, and learning myself. And then I started my career as national training director. I packed my bags with all my beautiful fragrances, the audiovisual, all the sort of... Uh, advertising paraphernalia that you need to motivate the beauty advisors. And I literally traveled around America for two years, almost nonstop. I would be gone for two weeks. I'd pack my bags, go for two weeks, do presentations, morning, afternoon, evening, breakfast sessions, afternoon lunches, cocktail parties, because Elizabeth Arden as a brand, the fine fragrance division, which was Lagerfeld and Chloe and eventually Burberry's was added. We had to have a certain je ne sais quoi, a certain elegance to really represent the brand. And Chloe as a brand was just a beautiful uh, brand from the house of Chloe. Uh, Karl Lagerfeld was the designer at the time. And so Chloe was the woman's fragrance. And then we introduced Lagerfeld for men. So I had to train the beauty advisors about the product, what it was made of, what the ingredients were, how to position it, how to talk about it, the adjectives, the, you know, just the positioning. And what I did was I went back to my mother's, my background from my mom. So when I had a, a training seminar, we used to do them either in lovely hotels or conference rooms, I always had music playing. I always had lovely um, somehow artwork uh, I brought from New York and I put it around the, the room. I had beautiful flowers. So I created an ambiance. And when the beauty advisors came in, it was like, they were mesmerized. We I transformed the power. What you were doing, excuse me, for you were creating a theatrical experience. Exactly. Yes. And I transformed this dull conference room into a magical place. And I explained what the brand was, who the brand was, etc. And when when they left, they were so motivated, they couldn't wait to get out and sell the product. And so what happened was every time I was in a market and I did these training seminars, sales would go sky high. So it was a wonderful opportunity for me to learn about America. But two years of traveling nonstop became really, really tiring. And after two years, I went to the president and I said, Joe, uh, what now, you know, it was no longer Mr. Ron Shady, it was Joe. Uh, I <laughs> said, I've done this, what do I do next? Because uh, you're going to kill me if you keep me traveling like this. And so that's how I got into color cosmetics, lovely girly girl stuff, lips, eyes, nails, cosmetics, and then back into marketing. And I was at Arden for six years. And then their competitor heard about me, hired me to be national, national um, excuse me, international marketing director for fragrance and men's skincare. I was there for four years, worked on all kinds of brands for Lancome, the fragrance Trezor, and then um, worked on uh, new products and Maginois, which is a staple fragrance from Lancome, introduced a men's skincare line called Program Om. And four years later, a headhunter called me and uh, recruited me to be vice president of marketing for Tiffany and Company. And I developed a more Tiffany perfume. Absolutely. I, and that is where we became, I, I became familiar with your work. Uh, and this trajectory that you've, uh, you essentially have created your own career uh, 
was anyone else out there doing what you were doing at this point? You mean in the fragrance industry? In the fragrance just, industry. You know, I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And I certainly am. Now I've, I've even coined the term entrepreneur with entrepreneur sin. I think because of my creative background, I was never going to stay in a box of just marketing and without the sort of vision of how to build a brand, how to entice people, how to motivate people. And so as a marketing executive, you know, you had to do the finance and the forecast and the marketing projections. But guess what? I also went out looking at theater and singing and acting. And ultimately, you know, I had to curtail theater because I was really working full time and it was quite a demanding job. But when I left Tiffany to have my daughter, that's when I started all the things that I love to do again, this the singing, the acting, back to marketing, back to presenting. And so for 33 years, I've actually had my own company, which I call Centerprises. And I just am so grateful for the things that I've been able to do. If you'd have, Richard, if you'd have told me growing up in South Africa that I would be living in New York, I would be a marketing and branding expert, a writer, uh, creating fragrances for Tiffany and Burberry and all these iconic brands, I would say it's not possible. But I just keep on going. And I'm so passionate well, about what I, I think, do. It, I think the key is the fact that you were open to these possibilities when they came your way. Instead of saying, no, this is the path I'm on. I'm not going to listen to that door. You said yes when these opportunities came your way. And to me, that is, and obviously you have the skills to do these things, uh, but that I think is part of the genius of Sue Phillips as well. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, even I will tell you honestly, even uh, when I was with the president of the company and we would have major um, CEOs come in from all the department stores and the specialty stores and, you know, as part of just my background, when people would come and visit us at home, we invited them for tea or we helped with tea. So I automatically would say to the guests who came into the meetings, uh, to the CEOs and the executive VPs, would you like some tea or coffee? And I got up and I went and made tea and coffee. Now, when I was a VP at Tiffany and now I'd really gone up, certain um, assistants said, no, 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 I don't do coffee. I don't do coffee. It's not what I do. And I said, well, how can that be? It's sort of the job-defined responsibilities. You know, you're this and you're not that. And they felt making coffee for people was demeaning. And maybe it was, but I just felt it was part of being considerate and being courteous. And if people come into your home... And being social. Being and social. being social, exactly. I, I absolutely love that. It's interesting because I've heard certain people say, that's not in my job description. Exactly. <laughs> and to me, the job description is that interaction between the customer, the client, and the whole uh, the whole ball of wax. Instead of saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. Make it an enjoyable experience. Uh, the whole ambiance. I want to go back for a moment uh, to creating a fragrance for Tiffany's. Uh, we all breakfast at Tiffany's. We've all got these images of Tiffany's. How does one go about creating a fragrance for Tiffany's? Wow. Well, that was a story uh, unto itself. Um, when I got the job, um, my future boss handed me two submissions, two bottles of fragrance that they'd actually been working on for about a year and a half with consultants. I didn't really go into this in my book because I just didn't think it was, it was sort of professional to do that, but I will tell you the story. So I, I was so excited, you know, suddenly, my gosh, I've had three or four interviews. I've met with the chairman and the VP and I met with everybody. And Friday at five o'clock, she called me for a meeting and she said, Sue, congratulations, you got the job. Wow, I was so excited. So she handed me these two bottles of, you know, juice of the fragrances. And I was so excited. I didn't even leave the building yet. I was in the elevator and I sprayed the fragrances on me. And 
I stopped and I was kind of upset. I thought, you know, we all have an image of a brand and Tiffany certainly stands for elegance and for luxury and it's an iconic brand. The whole world knows about Tiffany. And when I tried those two submissions, I, I just felt that they were commercial, not very special, not very elegant, not really exotic, not luxurious. I thought they were inferior, cheap fragrances. And I agonized about what am I going to do now? Now I've got the job. I, on Friday night, I got the job. I have to go in on Monday and resign from Lancome. I'm sitting with these two submissions. What do I do? So by this stage, I'd met a lot of friends in the industry, and I called some of the people whose opinions I really would value and did value. A CEO of a company, a perfumer, a branding person, about three or four people. And I said, I have something very confidential to talk to you about. I'm working on a project, and I'd love your thoughts about a fragrance. I didn't tell them who it was for because it was still not public mm -hmm. that I would let. So during those two, the next week, at night, I met with these people and I showed them these fragrances. And I just said, look, this is for a luxury brand. It's very special. It's very hush-hush, but I'd love your thoughts. What do you think? And all of them said, mm -mm -mm -mm. chemical, cheap, no good. So hmm. now I was faced with a decision. What do I do? Do I wait? Do I do nothing? Do I? Because they had been working on this for about a year and a half at great cost. And suddenly, you know, I come in, Miss uh, Tiffany now, and tell them that the work that you've done is terrible. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to sort of uh, be in that situation. So I called my future boss and I said, um, look, I'd love to come and see you. She said, but you're starting in a week and a half or whatever it was. I said, but yes, it's really important. So I said to her, look, I just got this job. I'm so excited. I know you've worked hard at this. I will do whatever you want. You're my boss. But my feeling, based on my experience, is that these do not represent the quality and the luxury of the brand. I said, but if you think any one of these are fine, you're the boss, you let me know. And I'll, but I didn't want to wait until we launched eight months later and say, you know, way back then, I didn't think they were right and I didn't say anything. So she said, Okay, and we, she said, let's go and talk to Bill, the, the chairman. We, she marched me down to, the, to Bill's office, and she said, to her credit, she said, look, we just hired Sue. Uh, she doesn't think these submissions are any good. She doesn't think the work that we've done is right. He said, well, we just hired her. Let her fix it. She's going to go to Paris and fix it. So that was the start of my foray into Tiffany. And at the time, uh, we were working on a joint venture with Chanel. And so the the idea was, the sort of rationale was two luxury brands. Tiffany was in jewelry. Chanel was obviously in fragrance and beauty. But Tiffany didn't know anything about beauty or fragrance. So we did a joint venture where Chanel would do the manufacturing, the distribution. So we went to see the owner of Chanel, who's Alain Wertheimer. We took in the submissions. And he corroborated what I said. He said, oh, no, this is not good. This is not good. And he said, Sue, you go to Paris and you work with my chief perfumer, and which I did. And so that's how the Tiffany was born. Um, it was a beautiful, luxurious fragrance. And in fact, I get people calling me and emailing me all the time because the fragrance is no longer created. It's no longer made. It's no longer distributed. And it's a shame because it was so iconic. So maybe they'll hear this and they'll say, Koo, Sue, come back and redo the Tiffany fragrance. <laughs> I want to ask about that because an, another fragrance that just came out on the market was they recreated a fragrance that had been off the market for many, many years. How does one go about recreating a fragrance that has not been around for many, many years? And I think about your, mo your mother, Grace, and I'm sure that she had a fragrance that uh, I don't know if it's still around or not. And is there a particular fragrance that you, when you think of your mom, that's immediately where your mind goes? You know, my mom, and thank you for that question. My mom, my, when mom and dad went out at night, she would put on her fragrance. And it was if it was in winter, she had a lovely little mink jacket. So and she always wore, wore pearls. And I have the distinct memory of her kissing me goodnight and smelling this beautiful fragrance, which is called Mink and Pearls. It's so funny. It was called Mink and Pearls. 
I think by Revlon, and it's totally not available at all anymore. And she epitomized that beauty and that elegance, you know, her little fur jacket and the pearls. And that's what I think of when I think of my mom, you know, beauty and elegance and femininity. And so that's always been um, sort of my memory of her. And then your second question was, how do you go about recreating a fragrance? Well, firstly, the reason so many fragrances have been discontinued are maybe multifold. The first one is uh, so many ingredients these days, natural ingredients, are no longer able to be sourced. You know, we've had floods, we've had uh, fires, we've had earthquakes. So think about what that does to foliage and to nature. You know, the beautiful Bulgarian rose oil and the beautiful sandalwood and the vanilla beans get compromised and sometimes decimated in these natural floods and fires. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that maybe because uh, fragrance ingredients are so um, difficult to source and harvest these days, the expense is huge, it's exorbitant. So what happened is uh, perfumers have also now become technology experts and they recreate formulas through what we call headspace technology and through synthetic chemicals or aroma chemicals. So if you have a beautiful rose, let's say, and you know you love the rose and it smells beautiful, but let's say this particular rose variant is so exorbitant. Well, the perfumers have been able to recreate the ingredients synthetically but with that comes a distortion in the fragrance and so it's either through mm. exorbitant costs or scarcity or chemicals and um, it's hard to find beautiful fragrances that have been around for years and years and years but the formulas have changed so much so what you wore 20 30 40 years ago with a chanel or a Shalimar or an arpege you can still find them, but they're very different. Now, I'd like to talk about something else that's come a, another career path that came about because of COVID for you. Because in the last couple of years, we've taken for granted until recently uh, the sense of smell. Yes. And unfortunately, COVID has taken away uh, that sense for so many people. But you have been helping people recapture their sense of smell. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that started for you? And then I'd like to, I just was listening to you uh, today on another interview and I'd like to uh, talk about a couple of things that I heard you bring up on that interview as well. Okay, sure. Well, I will tell you that it happened quite serendipitously. So many of my career moves have happened totally serendipitously. I've never planned anything. So during the pandemic, you know, my business shut down. No one was coming to make fragrances. All the corporate events closed down. And I was downtown in Tribeca in a lovely perfume studio, which I had created with my mom's artwork and really mm. made a beautiful oasis. So business shut down. And I said, okay, well, I, now's the time to write my book. I'd always loved to write. I was always writing articles. I was actually a beauty director or beauty editor for a magazine called Glow. So I wrote a lot of articles. So I put pen to paper and I started to write my book. And that was in March 2020. And I wasn't sure what to call it, but ultimately I called it the power of perfume. And we were now going to, it was published by Central Park South Publishers and March 21st, 2021 was going to be the launch at the National Arts Club, because when I started the book, I called my friend at the National Arts Club. I said, I'm writing a book. It'll be ready next year. She said, great, we'll book you for a date. Well, the date came and went, but there was no book signing or book launch because of the pandemic. But mm -hmm. she said, Sue, I'll give you the date the following year. So now I really had to write because I had a deadline. And so I presented it and launched it at the National Arts Club. 700 people watched on Zoom and it was great. And then as a result, NBC wanted to do a story about it. The day before the interview, they called me and they said, Sue, we have a young woman who has had COVID. She has anosmia, which is total lack of smell. And can you help her? 
I said, well, I don't know, but I'll try. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I'll try. And she came to meet with me. And this, at, by this stage, I moved into a pop-up boutique on, uh, on the Upper East Side. So I was doing appointments uh, with people. And she came in, and the crew was there. NBC TV was there. And I took her through this fragrance journey, showing her all my fragrance blends. I've made 18 of them. And the first one, no, 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 no. We went up to the 13th one. And finally she said, oh, I smell something. And it's beautiful. And she started to cry. Mm. Of course, I teared up. The camera crew teared up. And I'm still tearing up now. And it was such an emotional moment because she had lost her sense of smell for almost 15 months. So the story went viral. It was amazing. I've now helped about 130 people over the last year. And I tell everybody, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I cannot guarantee results. But I know the power of my perfume. I know the power of the ingredients I have. And I know generally that our olfactory sense is connected directly to the limbic system. And so there's this huge, powerful connection if you concentrate and if you focus and if you really give yourself positive self-talk, hopefully you'll be able to smell. And so I developed my scent kit, which is the 18 blends. And um, I am so happy that I've been able to help people via Zoom. I send them the scent kit and we do a Zoom session or we do it in person. And it's fascinating because there are so many doctors who are ENT doctors and they have told me and my clients have told me that so many doctors just give up. They said, look, I, I don't know. It'll come back. Don't worry about it. Or, you know, just be, be, be happy. You can do something. And yeah, yeah, as I said before, it's one thing that we take for granted. Uh, and of course, with the sense of smell comes the sense of taste and I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, not, I'm knocking on wood that I've been lucky enough. Yeah. I have not even been, I've not experienced COVID at all. Me too. Thank so, you. Thank goodness. Well, thank goodness. Uh, and, but so many of my friends have, and they've, ex they've told me how difficult it is for them. So thank God the work that you're doing the, you know, on this level as well. But going back to this interview, and I'm not going to mention the interview unless you want to bring it up. Uh, but the host, it was a wonderful interview, was talking about uh, getting uh, a well-known brand uh, at a uh, a cheaper location, if you will. Yeah. And, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought up a very interesting point that I had not thought about until I was listening to this interview today, that so many of us... Uh, most people, especially artists, and so many of my artist friends are watching, we look for bargains. And that bargain may not be a real bargain in the sense of getting a bargain. Exactly. If you would like to take that away. <laughs> well, I will tell you that I was one of the victims of that. Maybe about 15 years ago, uh, a friend said, you know, let's go down to Chinatown, let's go here, let's go there. And of course, on the street of New York City in that area, there are all these discount stores and they're selling all these amazing brands, you know, the high-end luxury brands. And so my friend bought a fragrance that she absolutely adored and loved, which is a very gourmand, edible, vanilla-y type, incredible fragrance. And I said, you know, and it was like $29 as opposed to $140. And I said, I don't think you should do that. No, no, no. She said she did. So what happened was she opened it after she bought it. And I smelled it. I said, this is a fake. This is awful. You but the packaging was beautiful. It looked exactly like the proper thing. And thank gosh, thank goodness, I, I told her to open it on the street. And we went straight back and returned it. But see, so many people really look, get you know beguiled by the packaging and the cheap price. You know, what people don't understand, honestly, is that fragrance is an art and it's a science. Perfumers work for years perfecting ingredients and perfecting the formula. And you put the marketing and the advertising, the packaging together. 
And, you know, maybe some fragrances are overpriced, but you know what? You would never go to a Picasso or a Renoir or a Matisse mm -hmm. and say, you know, um, you wouldn't go to a, a second artist or a fake artist and say, just make me a, a, a Matisse or a Renoir or a Picasso because, you know, I want a bargain because that's a fake. So, you know, we all want a bargain at the same time you get what you pay for. And when you smell terrible products under the guise of a luxury product, it's such a turnoff. It's, it's, it's so awful. You've also uh, talked about the going into uh, a store and being uh, sprayed and then maybe making a purchase and then getting home and finding out it's not the same uh, that you were experiencing in the store. And there, you say that there's nothing wrong with going back to the store and returning it. Well, that's actually what happened to me in Paris. Uh, they were just launching this brand new Montana fragrance. And it wasn't in New York yet. It wasn't coming to America for a while. Because so many times these French and, or Italian or European designers, they launch in the home country. And ultimately, it comes to America. Or sometimes it's a sort of an international dual launch. Um, and when I went into Galerie Lafayette and I was looking and, at the new fragrance and it was sprayed, it was all in the air and it smelled amazing. It just, the... the aroma in the air was captivating so of course i bought it and then i went back to the hotel and i sprayed it on me i sprayed it on me because i hadn't sprayed it on me i smelled it in the air and it was awful it was just horrifying on my skin you see what people don't understand is that we all have our own dna and we all have certain skin types that will either enhance a fragrance or it'll, it'll distort a fragrance. If you have too much, you know, a lot of men have, and studies have shown, and bio, biology shows that men have thicker skins than women, and they have oilier skins. So men like fragrances that will give them that sort of comfort, whereas women are usually have thinner skins and not as much oil. And so the fragrances work differently on so many skin types. And that's why it's so important to try a fragrance on your skin first and then see how it matches. Because if you wear a fragrance and you haven't tried it on your skin, but it's a popular fragrance, or it's, I like to say the fragrance du jour, it's the fragrance of the moment, uh, and it smells good in the air, but not on your skin, it can also be a, a really sad disconnect. Well, I want to bring up a point, and forgive me for going down this path, <laughs> but in certain stores, you walk in, and they've gotten better at this, but there was a time where you would walk into a store, and they would spritz you before they even asked if they could spritz you. They cut back on that, mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes they will spray you, and the perfume is not right for your body type or... Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, in, in, in those situations, um, some people uh, make the wrong choices. And how do you educate them? Or how do, is there a way of essentially uh, being polite, I want to be, uh, of turning them around? Well, you know, going back to my days of training, you know, we used to train, I used to motivate and train the beauty advisors that not every fragrance is right for every customer or client. And it's really important to ask the customer or to, uh, to number one, tell the client, you know, what the fragrance is about and would they like to try it. And you spread on a blotter strip. You don't just spray it on them. So we have, in the industry, we have these little strips, blotter strips. So you spray the fragrance on the blotter strip. And then you evaluate it. And the reason we spray it on the strip is because this is the purest way to evaluate fragrance. There's no body chemistry. There's no mm -hmm. sort of oils on this. It's a pure way of spraying it. And uh, that is how you're supposed to spray, spray a fragrance. And, you know, again, it's all part of the training. I have been in those stores where I have literally been attacked by these people who spray fragrance. And it was such a turnoff. And that's one of the other reasons why fragrance became so commercial and got such a bad rap. 
you know, for people, when I tell people I'm in the industry, oh, no, no, I get allergies and headaches. No, no, don't spray. I said, no, I'm not spraying. I'm just telling you that I'm in the industry. But I think that the customer appreciation and the customer, you know, consideration really mm. left a lot to be desired. And it's it's a shame. Absolutely. And uh, I want to have you with all that you've done. And first of all, the book is incredible. And it's it's really, for me, uh, wonderful essays, yes. uh, different aspects of mm. business and your own life as well. Uh, have you thought of taking going on the next step? And perhaps you have of uh, becoming a motivational speaker. Everyone that's watching the show right now uh, myself included, we just are in love with you <laughs> and how you have taken this business by storm, essentially. Uh, would you consider becoming a motivational speaker? And have you done TED Talks? Have you gone that di uh, direction? Uh, and if so, how can we all get on that bandwagon? Well, Richard, thank you so much. You are so sweet and I thank you for your encouragement. Um, I love to talk. I love to speak about fragrance. In fact, I don't know if you know Clubhouse, but Clubhouse is an audio app which is on the phone. And it also, I think it came about as a result of COVID or pandemic. Everybody was home. And I don't know, I can't remember the guys who started, but these two brilliant men started this app called Clubhouse. And it was good for iPhone and Android. And what happened was... Uh, at that time, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now, it was by invitation only for iPhones. And somebody, a colleague of mine, had sent me an invitation to join Clubhouse. I didn't even know what it was, and I didn't even know if it was a scam or not because I hadn't heard from this person for so long. So I texted back, and I said, well, who are you? What are you telling me about? And they told me who it was. I said, okay, fine. So I knew it was legit. So I went on, and I was listening to these people talking about whatever subject they were talking about that day. And I was so motivated. So it was about one o'clock in the morning, which is the time I usually go to sleep. And I joined Clubhouse and I raised my hand and I got up and I spoke and I talked about, and I called my club, my club, the power of perfume. And it was such an amazing opportunity to get my message out to talk to people about what I love to do. And I now have the largest perfume club on Clubhouse. It's called The Power of Perfume. I have two rooms every week. One is Fragrant Fridays at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, and one is Sensual Sundays at 1.30. So I do these rooms every week, Fragrant Fridays and Sensual Sundays, and I have a following, and they come and listen. I love to speak about fragrance. I would love to do a TED Talk um, I really believe that is the next thing that I must do and I somehow will apply or find a way to do it and just to help build my brand because I, I really do think that people don't realize how important fragrance is to our well-being. And just the fact that COVID has accelerated the awareness of how devastating it can be with people who don't have a sense of smell and then ultimately don't have a sense of taste because fragrance and sense and taste are so aligned. And so I really would love to get that story out. And of course, going back to my theatrical days, it would be wonderful for me to get up and speak. <laughs> That's great. I've got some questions here and then we're going to do some uh, wind down questions. Sure. And our giveaway today, uh, I'm going to give away a copy of your book. Uh, so uh, we're going to go uh, uh, and uh, we have a question from Brad. Uh, do they make hyperallergenic perfumes for people who have allergies? I think there are some, Brad, and thanks for the question. I will tell you that um, the European Union has designated that there are, 80, there are 26 allergens, they're called allergens, ingredients, that are no longer able to be used in perfumery. So some of them are on the banned list. And that's why so many perfumers are now making fragrances synthetically. Uh, I, you know, I, I always say that peanuts have given people anaphylactic shock and all the rest of it. And peanuts have been known to put people in cardiac arrest. 
Have they banned peanuts? No. So even though the, you have these regulatory bodies like the FDA, the OSHA, the IFRA, and, these, and the European Union um, that have caused people to have allergens, uh, perfumers are trying to recreate them synthetically. But then that has its own a set of problems because people don't like the chemical smell. So I know there's a whole trend right now called clean fragrances and perfumers and companies are really looking to create fragrances that are quote clean, hyperallergenic. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a trend that's starting to happen. I don't think it's fully materialized yet. Thank you. And we have a question from Doug McAllister. Have you ever considered a scratch and sniff book? <laughs> I actually wanted to do that for this one, but the quantities for scratch and sniff are so huge. You know, in order to get good cost efficiency, I'm sure you've all seen the scent strips in magazines. Well, you know, the scent strips in magazines with the ads you smell, they usually want about a, a million and a half or two million circulation. Well, at that point, um, but hopefully next year I'll do one. I can do limited quantities. And yes, I would love to do a, snatch, a scratch and sniff book. Thank you for that question. And uh, Jeff Phillips says that he's always impressed how knowledgeable, incredibly bright and beautiful you are. How lucky am I to have you as my amazing sister? Thank you. That's wonderful. That's great. Thank you so, for watching, Jeff. I'm so thrilled you're here. And by the way, I wore this in honor of mom. This was my mom. She designed this piece of jewelry and she gave it to me. Well, actually, she did it for herself, but I got it. Uh, what I love about this is that it has all the ingredients and the elements and the materials from South Africa, the gold, the black slate, the pearl, some little diamonds and a couple of rubies. So whenever I wear this, I feel very close to her. So I wore this tonight in her honor and her mail. Well, she's around. Grace, this is all for you. So I chose the word balance today because reading uh, about you and doing the research, uh, you seemed from my perspective to have a well-balanced life. What does balance mean for you? And how are you able to balance everything? Uh, with being, you know, uh, in, in your introduction to your book, uh, you dedicate the book to both your mom and your daughter, which I think is wonderful that it's this through line that will continue going on. Thank you. I'm very proud of my daughter, and I'm very proud to be the daughter of my mother. And I'm very proud to be the sister of my brother, too. <laughs> you know, I think there is a work balance. Uh, I have always had it. Uh, when I was, you know, home with my family, I would work, we would have lovely parties on weekends and I would entertain a lot. And, and then that life ended. And I think right now, honestly, my balance is my work. I, I, I am a real workaholic. I really feel that I have a time limit to do this business, to build this business, and to do all the things that I want to do, which is to really continue to help people with COVID, to build a, my own Sufilos brand, to write another book. In fact, a neuroscientist contacted me after she saw the press that I was getting for the people who had COVID, uh, has invited me to be her co-author. Well, she said she wants to be my co-author and we're writing a book and she said that she will come to it from the standpoint of neuroscience to really endorse and to um, just really corroborate the work that I'm doing in fragrance because so many people don't think about fragrance in neuroscience, even though we all know that our olfactory bulb is so connected to our limbic system and memories, emotions happen. And so she, she, I'm doing that. That's my next book. Uh, I'm excited about that. And, you know, um, yes, to do a TED Talk, to be an international brand, and to then hopefully, you know, uh, be very successful and sell it, and um, also to do philanthropic work. So I want to create a foundation. And what is the foundation going to be for, for people who have Alzheimer's? Because sadly, at the end of her life, my mom did have dementia. And of course, because fragrance and memory are so connected, 
I've done a lot of fundraising events for Alzheimer's. So if I can do something for Alzheimer's to really do something mm -hmm. to give back, that's the one thing. The second one is because um, I really want to do something about South Africa. It was very near and dear to my heart. And the wildlife in South Africa is suffering. You know, the elephants are being poached. And I really mm -hmm. want to help in that regard. And then, of course, you know, to honor my daughter, uh, to do some work in the area of anti-human trafficking. So uh, my foundation, which will be Sue Phillips Foundation, will have those three pillars. And I've actually come up with fragrance brands that reflect those different um, initiatives that will be launched next year. Oh, wow. It's all amazing. And you always have a platform here. I hope you'll come back anytime. Oh, I would love to, Richard. Oh. I want to make your fragrance for you, Richard. I want to create a fragrance for you. And I would invite you to take my scent personality quiz. And I, I took the test today and I think I flunked it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I wrote back to you because the results told me. So the scent personality quiz is for people who really don't know their olfactory family, what fragrance families they're like. And so I have eight, oh, I should show you the whole thing. I didn't bring it here, but. There's a whole array of fragrance families, and it's quite complicated, but I narrowed it down to four families. Fresh, all the lovely bright citrusy notes. Floral, speaks for itself. Woodsy, all those lovely outdoor sandalwood herbaceous notes. And then spicy, this sexy oriental spicy notes. So the scent quiz is really quite accurate. And when you take the quiz, it's on suephillips.com. You can take the quiz and it will reveal what fragrance family you like. So when I got your results, I looked at it and I said, wow, you landed up with 12 florals. I know. <laughs> I, know I, don't think, I, I think you might like florals, but I don't think you're all florals. No, 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 not at all. And I was, shocked. I was shocked at the results. So I've got, you know, I all, with all of my shows, I do a surprise question that I don't even look at before the show. And this is the surprise question for you. And interesting question in today's uh, day of technology. Would you rather give up your smartphone or your computer? Um, great question. I think my computer. Because what is so wonderful about the smartphone, and of course I have one, mm -hmm. is that you can do everything on a smartphone that you can do on a computer, but That's it's true. more compact, it's more portable, it's more accessible. You can stick it in your pocket, you can hide it, you can turn it on and off, and it's so convenient. And who would have thought, I mean, just think of the brilliance of tech. Who would have thought that we could actually communicate through the, to the entire world with a little device that fits in your hand? It is quite remarkable. I'm always so really... Um, humbled by what technology has done and what we can do with it and one of these days i am going to have a little device that will attach to the smartphone which will emit fragrance oh i love it and i i think we're heading in that direction anyway i think that the computer in just a few years will be gone yeah. uh and everyone will be doing everything from their uh smartphones now this is another uh question, a random question. It says, reach out to someone from your past and tell them something that you appreciate about them. And so what I'd like you to do is to tell Jeff something you appreciate about him. Oh, well, I absolutely love my brother. He is my older brother. And he and I are so close. You know, it's amazing. Uh, he worries about me all the time because I'm in New York and he's in San Diego with his family and his lovely lady friend. And I'm so happy that he's happy because he was very ill last year. He had Guillain-Barre and he nearly didn't make it. And so I went out to see him and I was there for about a month and I went out again and I was devastated. So I can tell you that I love my brother. Do we fight like cat and dog? Yes. Do we argue? Yes. May I ask what's the age difference between you and your brother? It's, just almost three years, not uh, two and a half, maybe. But, you know, he was always the older brother and I was the little sister. And I think that from that, and he was a man in South Africa, you know, men in South Africa were very sort of right. They were always right. 
and I have now become quite assertive living on my own and living in New York. So we do fight like cat and dog, but I will tell you that he has my back and I have his back. And when I think about him, it's telepathy he'll call. It's remarkable. I can just think about him and he'll call. So we have this incredible connection. I am so lucky to have him. Uh, I think we have an amazing relationship and I thank you for that lovely question. And Jeff, I'm so thrilled that you came on. I was calling you earlier. You didn't answer. So I texted you the link and you, voila, you found it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, who is the person that you would find to be the most similar to you in your profession? You want a name or an idea of a person? Or it could be either or, whatever you choose to reveal. You know, oh gosh, I would love to say, you know, Coco Chanel and Elizabeth Arden and all these wonderful people uh, who actually, you know, created the fragrance industry. I would say that the three women who really pioneered, well, four women who pioneered this industry were Madame Helena Rubenstein, Elizabeth Arden and Estee Lauder. And of course, you can't go without saying Coco Chanel. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about what they accomplished so many years ago, Chanel created Chanel a hundred and something years ago. She was an orphan. She was in a little orphanage and she became a seamstress. She sewed. And I don't know how or why she had this vision, but, you know, she, the, the brand is still around over a hundred years ago. So is Elizabeth Arden, so is Estee Lauder's, and so is Helena Rubenstein. And I think that those women all had a passion. They all had a, 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 a really very firm determination of what they wanted to do. Now, I would never say, I would never put myself in those shoes, but you know what? I really believe that it's important to have a vision, to be creative, to be um, passionate about what you want to do, to never give up, to keep on going under all kinds of problems and issues. And I tell my students, I have actually been an adjunct professor at FIT College and LIM College. Mm. And I have told my students over and over, and I tell my interns and my assistants, just because maybe your parents wanted you to become a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or a school teacher, and if that wasn't in your you know, your vision, do what you love. Be passionate about what you love to do and never, ever give up because there are always going to be issues. There are always going to be problems. Wherever you work, in any corporation, there will always be issues and problems you have to deal with. And, of course, if you're in your own business, there are many, many issues and problems you have to deal with. But if you love what you do, you'll get over those problems and it will be a lot easier. Amen. And what a great lesson for all of us. Uh, I'm going to bring this screen up. Uh, we've had a few people who have signed up with uh, the word balance, and I will show you how this works. And we are going uh, to give uh, away. Uh, I and I am. Let's see here. I've lost my screen here, uh -oh. uh, and uh, I need to go up here. And uh, let's see here and give away. Uh, the word, uh, here we are, there it is. And we'll see who our winner is tonight and you'll get a, a copy of the book. It's amazing and thank you all for being here tonight. Oh my gosh, look at all these people who are here. And do you know Ed? I do know Ed, I'm so, what a wonderful thing, hello Has Ed. Ed read the book? I will tell you Ed, I have met, we've never met in person, but Ed is, has been amazing he has actually um he's actually on his way to a conference to help and support me and uh i can't really get into it but i'm so excited that he came on and thank you ed for coming on this is thank you ed it was, it was meant to be that you were the winner <laughs> <laughs> Ed, if you will send me uh, your email uh, address, richard at richardskipper.com, 
Once again, that's Richard at richardskipper.com. Uh, I will send you a copy of Sue's book. And thank you so much. You know, uh, what, you know what, Richard, I'll tell you what I'll do. Because I never signed your book. And I want to sign your book. So if you want, I will I will send a copy to Ed. I don't have his address, but he can send it to me. And it would be my honor to sign a copy and send one to you. Uh, when we meet in New York at some point. Okay. I will bring you my book when we meet in New okay. York and you will sign it at that time. How's okay. that? Perfect. And then, so Ed, you will get in touch with Sue and she will send you a copy of the book. So, and I also want to thank uh, my friend, Erin, uh, who put us together. She really yeah. uh, went out and said, you've got to have her on the show. And I'm thrilled you said yes. Uh, I'm going to say a few closing remarks, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Sue, and give you the final uh, closing remarks tonight. Don't worry about how to end the show, because when you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Okay. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I have. Uh, it's all about balance It's uh, and following your dreams. And I've learned so much through this incredible book. Uh, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. It's Sunday night. And a few weeks ago, uh, I had the incredible actress and singer, uh, Tony Award winner, Joanna Gleason on the show. And Joanna Gleason talked about uh, the Sunday night syndrome. So since it's Sunday night, I'm gonna go there. A lot of people on Sunday nights uh, are feeling lonely. Uh, they're a little down, uh, the new week is about to begin, uh, or they're feeling whatever they've gone through in the preceding week. So tonight is a good night for you to reach out to uh, a friend uh, with a phone call. So what I'd like you all to do after the show tonight is to go to your Facebook friends list, and I'd like you to reach out to the third name that pops up on your friends list and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. If you want to go a step further, you can go to Amazon.com and you can order two copies of this book. You can keep one for yourself and you can send one to the third friend on your list. And you can let them know all about the amazing work that Sue Phillips is doing. Uh, I, I say this because a dear friend of mine says... We're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. Now, after the show, I would also like you all to please leave a comment on YouTube, even if you've done so tonight. Uh, and that will let us know what you think of the show. Uh, share this with your friends, if you don't mind. And please let me know what your thoughts are. I also have a newsletter that goes out at midnight tonight. Uh, called The Skipper's Guide. And you can go to richardskipper.com and sign up for that. It comes out every Sunday night and no spamming ever, I promise. Now, Sue, I'm turning the show over to you and you have the final word. It can be about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just anything that you want to say to everyone who's watching. Thank you. And this has been a real treat for me. Thank you. It's been amazing, Richard. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who's been watching and for your wonderful uh, comments and questions. You know, I never thought I would ever, ever be in the fragrance industry. I never thought I would ever become a fragrance expert. Um, five years ago, somebody said to me, Sue, you, you know, you're the brand. You have to be um, the brand. And I didn't have the courage or the confidence then because my company is Centerprises. And it's Enterprises with an SC, Centerprises. And um, I love the name of my company and I love what I do. But, you know, everything has, uh, even, you know, the, the, the song, To Every Time There Is a Season. What changed my mind was when I was able to write my book. And now I'm an author. And I'm a speaker. And I've been on so many magazine covers and articles and interviews. And I say this not to be boastful, but to say I never believed in myself. And now I know that I am capable of helping people and of being somebody that people can look up to. 
And that is why I want to do my foundation. And so having the opportunity to talk to people, to be on Richard's show, and to talk to you guys directly is to be such an honor and to say thank you for watching. Thank you for your comments. And please just be who you are and know that with hard work and passion and dedication, you can be whoever you are. Uh, I would love to hear from you. I would love you to contact me. I have my own app, which is suephillipsapp.com. Please log on. You can see my website. You can see some interviews. I really love to connect to people. So this has been an amazing platform. I thank you all. And watch out, world. Sue Phillips is coming. Thank you again, and God bless you all, and enjoy the week, and just be well, be happy, be safe, and be fragrant.